This is Matt Lesher. I play Eobar Thawne on DCTV's The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Thanks, Matt. And we're a product of Geek Vibes Live, like Wrestling Geeks Alliance. How's everyone doing out there in the uh, radio waves of, you know, Geek Vibes Nation? I hope you guys are having a good night. Um, just enjoying yourselves on a wonderful one day. Wednesday is actually what day it is. Uh, afternoon. Um, I've, I've noticed it's, it's a beautiful day down in Georgia. I got two gentlemen joining me for this wonderful show, so I'll of course introduce them. Uh, first of all, uh, we got Mr. Patton, Christopher Ray Patton. How you doing, Brother Ray? I am doing wonderful, man. Destiny Two just came out. So much good wrestling happened. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked for the show. That's good. And guys, now we uh, should make it the announcement. Uh, first official time. Uh, we are actually joined and going to be uh, having uh, Thomas Brewington join us uh, on the show as much as he can, basically. What is up, T-Brew? How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Like I said before, uh, personally, thank you guys so much for having me on board, and I'm super excited to see like where this leads. Yeah, man, it's it's, it's great having. I mean, I, I think that we just you know we we meshed together really well uh, before when you've been our guest, and the fact that you are actually a wrestler brings a great perspective to the show. And you know, I, I think me and Chris just like you, so uh, you know that that that's how this <laughs> happened, obviously. So uh, it's great having you a part of the whole entire thing, and uh, I guess this is a good time to start off on some topics, guys. We had a lot happen um, in this last. Well, actually, it's been two weeks off, so the first stuff. And the topics I want to talk about is actually John Cena versus Roman Reigns in what I call the promo off. It's not really got a flattering name, but I don't really give a shit. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> last week we found out what John Cena was going to do with Roman Reigns, and that's basically come out and clip off his balls in front of the whole entire audience uh, and put him in a bag and tell him to go home with it. Um, and the big dog this time, uh, this week, uh, decided to keep his zipper unlocked so, you know, Cena would have a better – never mind. That whole entire part was hilarious, though. Actually, Roman pretty much handled that pretty well. Uh, he's the big dog. Uh, um, but, no, it's actually been great promos. Uh, I've heard it's completely scripted, so and – I, and I knew that a majority of it was, obviously. I didn't think any of that was hostility. But people are saying that even – I forgot who it was, if it was Brian Alvarez – but uh, even the parts where Roman Reigns was messing up last week and John Cena, you know, told him that, you know, it's a promo, kid, you know, you should probably learn how to do that or something to that extent. But the stuff between them has been great. John Cena, once again, showing off that he is incredible on the mic. And Roman Reigns, I think this is a good program to, for him to have. And like they keep on saying, this is a WrestleMania match, but unfortunately we'll probably get Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the championship gold, like has been predicted many, many times. But um, how did you feel the last two weeks involving this whole entire feud, Thomas? Honestly, I think it's Roman's best work yet. Cena is making a star out of this kid, and that's exactly what he needed. Because 
you know, some of what Cena was saying is true. You know, he is indeed going to be the next John Cena. He's going to be the next face of the company to bring the company on to the next level. So, I mean, for Cena to be involved with Reigns the way he is, it's great. My only fear is that Roman won't be able to, you know, recover from it or Roman won't be able to capitalize on what's being given to him. And it's not going to be his fault. It's going to be how the fans react to him. I think that's going to be his biggest problem is getting over that fan reaction because it took Cena, what, seven years maybe before he got a reaction like how he gets now. Reigns has managed to do that since being solo for, what, three? It's not not in his best interest. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, time will tell. Chris, how did you feel about this whole thing? Man, the promos have been very interesting. Um, The way they're handling it reminds me a lot of the Rock John Cena, with the roles kind of switched, where John Cena is the bigger star. And you have Roman kind of being more of a heel, but the, the banner back and forth between them definitely has that feel. So I don't know if they have the same writers or... How's it going? And, and I mean, whoever's handling this doing a good job. I, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to say that that's all scripted 100%. I think that they have topic points that they want to talk about. John Cena is good enough that I think he can kind of go off book a little bit more than obviously uh, Roman Reigns. But I think that you know Roman has gotten better on the mic. Um, and overall, I, this is a this Roman needed this coming out of the uh, that four way match it, just to have something to do that means something because they can't just put him right back against Braun Strowman again. Um, so for me, this makes sense. I've enjoyed the promos a lot. Um, I enjoyed that Roman actually was the one that's like, Hey John, if you want to fight, let's fight uh, last Monday or this Monday or this week's Monday, I should say. Um, and then John Cena kind of just stood there and, and thought about it and didn't actually do anything. So I think they at least, you know, they kind of knew that Roman wasn't going to get the better of the promo, but they they knew that they needed to do something to keep that fan interest. So him doing that was kind of a kind of a good move. I, I really I've enjoyed the promos thus far, and it's going to be interesting to see how they book it if they're going to start putting tag matches together. Um, it's also weird. Samoa Joe's injured right now, and I feel like that they would be tying in some tag matches with Samoa Joe and a few other people to kind of get a rub, but uh, right now it's going to be interesting to see where they go. I've really enjoyed the promos, and I mean, those two are going to have a good match. I feel like uh, John Cena will definitely get a good match out of Roman Reigns. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, man, I I think that, you know, instead of like, and I mean, this was brought up in the promos, instead of accusing him of bearing talent, he's shown a lot that he's trying to put over a lot of these guys that he deems basically worthy enough uh, from what it seems to keep on progressing at the level that they have. So if he's got to do that with Roman Reigns, I mean, he's supposed to be the heir apparent of that concept of holding the company down. So they definitely need to get on that. But uh, let's go to the uh, next uh, topic. Uh, we had an awesome main event on um, on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Corey Graves actually compared it to, like, a monster movie, like King Kong Godzilla on a building. And, I mean, Big Show, Braun Strowman, in a cage. It was great. Big Show went all out. Um, and uh, actually is now going to apparently need hip surgery uh, from some of the uh, damage caused from the match itself. Um, 
So I was basically asking you guys, uh, how long do you think the show will be out, and was maybe it not the smartest decision, even as great a shape as he's in, because uh, of his age, to, you know, attempt like a, a freaking elbow drop from the top ropes or go th- smash through the cage from Braun Strowman? Uh, Chris, what do you think? It was a fun match. Uh, I, I like the cage aspect of it in the in the fact that they sold, you know, they showed so many times they broke the ring, they reinforced the ring. Um, I was kind of surprised on how much Big Show actually did. I don't think it was necessary, but it did come off really good in the ring. Uh, it sucks Big Show got injured at some point. It looks like he got injured. To me, it looked like he got injured before the finish. I'd be curious to hear Thomas's take on it. But if you look at the very end of the match, he has even a hard time getting up for that uh, the uh, power slam. And, and Braun's just such a monster. He just heaves his ass up anyways. But um, overall, that was a good match and, and a lot of fun. I'm going to be curious to see if Big Show comes back and when he comes back, if they have something special for him. And at the end of the day, it, it did what it was supposed to do, which is just reinforce that Braun is an absolute monster headed against uh, Brock Lesnar. So it, it was a fun match. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Thomas, how did you feel about that? And when do you think that he got injured uh, specifically during the match? And was it the elbow drop? Uh, during the match, I would say it was the elbow drop. I mean, there were there were little rumblings that he was injured before then, but I I believe in my heart of hearts that that cage match like took everything out of him. Like he might have been hurt before. He he definitely got injured then. Um, yeah, it was either it was either the elbow dropper being thrown through the cage because, like, I've been on that padding before and it's not as soft as it would look. It's softer than indie mats, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but it's it still has no give. Uh, I was very impressed though. Like, it was one hell of a main event. Like, I didn't think Show still had it in him, and if Show's out for, I'd say around four to six months, maybe. Maybe, yep. Maybe come back at WrestleMania, you know, win the Andre the Giant Battle Royal one more time. But you know, that's that's just my prediction as as far as how uh, how long he's going to be out. It could be less, or it could be more, being the fact that he is up there in age, and you know, he if he's going for hip surgery, he did lose a substantial amount of weight, and he might need to lose more before he even goes in. You know, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I agree with you. And, um, you know, obviously all of us want show to get healthy and, uh, you know, everything. Hopefully his surgery is not as severe as it come off, you know, tip surgery. But me, uh, before the show, before we uh, start talking to you, Thomas, me and uh, Chris were joking. Apparently Chris said that uh, Big Show's a big fan of Destiny, so this was all planned out. He knew he had to get a hip surgery, scheduled it, and said screw it with this last match, went all out, and now he's out for several months to be able to play Destiny is what we were, we were uh, getting at. <laughs> um, I, uh, but, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> I mean, it's a killer game. Makes sense to me. All right, well, uh, um, I also want to <laughs> me- remember, since I remembered, um, and we can definitely talk about this to you guys kind of on the spot, but Big Show getting better made me remember that. The Nature Boy cut a promo, uh, and he's not dead yet. He's going to actually make money probably off these T-shirts. Uh, he came on with a T-shirt, uh, cut a promo, basically saying that he appreciated everyone's um, good wishes and that he's he's going to be coming back and he's not dead yet, motherfucker. That's all I got to say, uh, Chris. 
How happy were you to see this video? Uh, I was stoked to see the video. I'd kind of heard rumblings that he was doing way better, so uh, I'm glad to hear the Nature Boy's okay, and I will probably buy one of these I'm not dead yet, motherfuckers, shirts, because that's pretty good. Make a gimmick out of your own hospitalization is a uh, smart move by by Ric Flair. (laughs) Fucking such a smart man. So happy that he's all right. Thomas, how were you uh, when you saw this video? I was overjoyed and ecstatic, and I laughed my ass off the entire time because he did it in true Ric Flair fashion. Like, nobody else would be able to do that but the man himself. So it, it was great to see, great to hear. Um, honestly, glad that Rick is doing well. Yeah, and um, guys, I mean, what's great about it is, uh, is he had apparently, from what uh, Dave Metzler said, a 20% chance of living at one point because he, you know, was so bad into it. So see him come out of it, you know, it's it's awesome, and it's it's, it's great to be able to see. Uh, great situation. Uh, let's talk about a not-so-great situation Man, what the fuck happened with Global Force Wrestling? That's all I have to say to start off this uh, topic, guys. Because, uh, all right, in the last two days, Jeff Jarrett is leaving indefinitely. Uh, what? And Global Force now is having trouble because Anthem is ready to sell the company. ASAP. What is going to go on with Global Force? Uh, and also, the main concern, basically, is the talent themselves. But also the, the fact that it's the spirit of Southern professional wrestling, like the last kind of living remnant of that, because I would say Ring of Honor is more like a Philly-style concept, uh, similar to ECW, and everything else is WWE, New Japan, or AAA. So these guys kind of have that like lasting concept, and there's a lot of good talent. Um, we can talk about where we'd like to see some of the talent members first, but um, obviously this is of no surprise because of their, their past, but how do you feel about Global Force Wrestling kind of coming to an end, it seems, and Jeff Jarrett leaving, Thomas. See, people get on me for being a Browns fan. They like to, they like to use the term dumpster fire. That is exactly what Global Force Wrestling is, is a dumpster fire. And it seems like the moment they start getting any momentum, they immediately kill it with their own dealings. It's a damn shame because I have quite a number of friends that, you know, work for Global Force. And it worries me because they don't have that job security that, you know, people in the WWE and NXT have. And it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm really happy for you having the opportunity, but in the long run, is it going to pay off? And this is one of those times where, you know, I hate to say I told you so. And, you know, when I told you, be careful, but damn, (laughs) like, it's just one yeah. thing after another, one thing after another. It all started when they brought in Hogan and Bischoff, and it's just been in a downward spiral since then. And that was that was almost a decade ago. Yeah, and I definitely thought that there would definitely be uh, some um, advancing happening when I heard that Jarrett was coming back. And, I, and, you know, they got Cornette, and they had a lot of these great minds, Dutch Mintel, uh, all working together, I was like, this is good for the company. They're getting rid of some of the baggage, even though I do like Alberto Del Rio in the ring. Uh, he had a lot of baggage to him, and it kind of wasn't worth it, and now it's it's crumbling. Uh, you know, I, I was liking some of the storylines, actually. I was enjoying the show, and I like a lot of the wrestlers. But, uh, man, it just, just they can't catch a break at all. Uh, how do you feel about it, Chris? Well, 
it's unfortunate because I actually thought their TV had taken a turn for the better, The especially with Cornette coming back, stripping Alberto Del Rio, um, having some interesting segments even building up to that with LAX, uh, specifically moving low-key as part of uh, LAX with his Hitman gimmick. I mean, there was some good stuff going on in GFW, but I feel like even like the diehard of most diehard wrestling fans kind of tuned out for so long. Um that, that I mean, that in itself is a problem. The thing about GFW is Jeff Jarrett still owns the name trade, so they're not actually going to be selling GFW. They would be selling Impact slash TNA as a brand, and I don't know how much that's worth. Um, and also, I mean, the main thing there is the, the thing about TNA and it being sold in general is the tape library. And if there's someone that's just going to buy the tape library to own the tape library, it's probably going to be Vince McMahon. Absolutely. Uh, Especially yeah. when they get some access to, they get some access to all Christians matches, Rhinos matches, Ravens matches, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, like they can, all the guys they can that reference Kurt, their history Kurt Angle's too. 14 uh, years. Within. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, all those years where Kurt Angle randomly went to Mexico and, you know, decided to do orphan stuff. Like, he can do that. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the rest of the company, before then. They're going to run into a weird situation, the same as WCW, where Anthem owns the network that they're on and owns the TV time. So if Anthem is actually selling them, they're probably not selling them with the TV slot timeline which means they have no TV time, which in turn means unless you can find a company that has TV time, that has the support to actually buy this company and support the wrestler contracts that they have, if, if they have anyone fall into year contracts um, as opposed to per appearances. They, everyone may be per appearances now, but uh, that seems doubtful. Um, you're running into a situation where the only thing that's worth anything in that company is the tape library. And at that point, I mean... I would expect WWE to buy that tape library and this company just dissolve, unfortunately. And that sucks for a lot of the guys, especially people that they just got in, like Johnny Mundo. Um, Jesus. It's going to be interesting to see. And it really does suck because I thought Jim Cornette was doing a pretty good job as the authority figure. I know that he doesn't have a whole lot of pull there. Um, but this, I mean, from everything that's going on, it doesn't sound like this is a uh, – Jeff Jarrett left, so now we're going to try to sell the company. It seems more like Jeff Jarrett left because he knew they were selling the company, and that's kind of where they're at now, which is uh, not a good place to be. And unless someone steps up that, like I said, has some 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 sort of TV slot to put them in, this company is probably going to dissolve or turn into an indie company uh, where they could use the name. The weird thing is, is like, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Billy Corgan try to buy this thing before we went down all these roads to begin with? So it's, you know, we've had yeah. like six or seven months. This company has almost been sold twice, um, and it keeps resurrecting. And I feel like, you know, uh, definitely the, the the downslide was Hogan and Bischoff being hired, probably more so Vince Russo being hired, um, and then Hogan and Bischoff being brought in. Uh, but Dixie Carter, obviously, she had a long time to try to write the ship and, and did nothing with it for a long period of time, including hiring Vince Russo and, and losing Spike TV because he sent an email out to a company that he wasn't even supposed to work for. So there's some crazy stuff. TNA has always kind of just been a trash fire with someone slowly pouring gasoline every you know 30 days on it and just keeps going. Um, it just sucks for a, a lot of the people that are there that might not have opportunities other places. Um, 
but yeah, I, I don't know. I just I see this thing kind of just dissolving, in all honesty. Yeah, and I, I think we should talk about, and let's talk about, it's not so much fancy booking because I feel bad for these guys because a lot of them might be losing their jobs, uh, obviously, if this does happen. But let's uh, talk about where we'd like to see potentially some of these guys because you got to understand, if, if, if just like any type of promotion, but like especially, uh, you know, specifically with this, there are some guys that would really translate well in WWE. There's some guys that would translate extremely well in Ring of Honor. So, for example, I was thinking personally, you know, I could see Moose showing up in NXT. Um, I could see uh, Evan Drake showing up in NXT. I could see, um, I guess Bob Lashley would have to go to Maine. I don't know, honestly, if he's worth it as much to me personally. I've never been that big of a fan of his. Um, EC3, another uh, NXT guy. Uh, the Wolves. Um, I think that Davey Richards, straight on the mic, I agree with um, Chris when when it comes to Eddie, Elber, or Eddie Edwards. He's a good wrestler, but he's got the charisma of a shoe. Uh, so keep him as a tag team. Maybe David could obviously branch off of that if they wanted to. But they would be nasty in NXT. Um, and Ring of Honor, I mean, uh, if if he's not done, Sanjay Dutt comes to mind. Uh, so does, uh, whatchamacallit, Matt Siddell, uh, a.k.a. Evan Bourne. Um, if I was Loki, I'd be going to New Japan. But that's, to me, a lot of the other guys are going to go back to AAA. They're going to go to CMLL. Uh, you know, because they were doing partnership with them, and also um, I forgot the Japan organization. Can't think of it offhand. Noah. But give Noah, thank you for wrestling Noah. But um, Thomas, how about you? With when it comes to certain wrestlers, where could you see some of this talent end up? Uh, I'd love to see Homicide back in Ring of Honor. I want to see my boys yes. Santana and Ortiz um, possibly go to NXT, though I feel like they'd fit amazingly in Ring of Honor as well. Uh, Low-key can go back to New Japan. Seidel can go back to New Japan. Eli Drake is a, is a definite NXT guy. Uh, EC3, back to NXT. Moose, I'd like to see back in Ring of Honor. Um, I guess Johnny Impact is fine going back to, you know, Lucha Underground AAA because it's not oh, like he ever really left. I mean, I'd love to see him uh, back see. On, on WWE, but, uh, yeah, Johnny Mundo I forgot, but, I mean, yeah, he already has a lot going for him. He's got three championship belts in AAA, and he's also Lucha Underground champion right now. So, I yeah. mean, there, there'd be a lot for him to get rid of and out of storyline-wise for him to be able to progress to WWE again. I don't know if he really personally wants to deal with that shit um, because he's done so successful outside of WWE. But, uh, Chris, how about you? What, what do you think? Um, I can definitely see Moose going back to Ring of Honor, Loki back to New Japan, maybe working some Ring of Honor dates just so they can settle uh, the feud he has with uh, Delirious. I don't know if Delirious is still there booking, but I know like Delirious and him were not on the best of terms when he left. Yeah, um, he is. Delirious is still booking Ring of Honor. Okay, so probably not. So more likely he would be in New Japan, which is probably good for him. They love that Hitman gimmick in, in Japan that he's rocking currently, or they did when he was there originally, which is why he brought it to the state. Um, Very inspired by wolves, video games I mean, over there. Yeah, I mean, the Wolves <laughs> in general, like, they're a perfect fit for... I mean, NXT needs new tag teams, so they're, like, perfect there, but then to the main roster, uh, it seems like they're trying to build up the tag division as much as they can, which makes sense. 
uh, it gives you know it gives a lot of people stuff to do on the main roster where they might not normally have anything to do. So I feel like that, them as a tag team could easily go somewhere. But I mean, they could also go you know completely 180 and go to New Japan and, and influence that tag that tag division there. So I those are the main guys that I see going anywhere. EC3, I could see him just working any date. I, I don't know that he left on the best of terms with WWE to begin with. I, I feel like he's the guy with the he works the WWE style, and he kind of has the look and body that WWE generally yeah. looks for, but I don't necessarily know that he's a really good fit in NXT. Um, and those are the top guys, but, like, from the Divas, like, I would love to see, uh, or, like, the Knockouts, I should say. Um, Rosemary, yeah. I feel like this would be a good fit in NXT to have, like, another weird type character to kind of feud with some of the new uh, people that they brought in. Someone like Kerry Sane versus... Uh, Rosemary would be very intriguing. No, I agree with you. Um, I, 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 Rosemary comes to mind. So does their current female champion. Uh, I forgot. I can't think of her name. And because Sienna. of the house, uh, for the life of me. Thank you, Sienna. Sienna. Al- um, yeah, Allison K. Yeah, love her. Yeah, both of them. I could definitely see uh, potentially doing stuff. I mean, I, I hope they're around long enough. Gail Kim also, which sucks, uh, announced her retirement, and she was going to finish up with. Uh, you know, Impact or uh, Global Force Wrestling at the end of this year. So, you know, I, I hate to just center it on her, but obviously that kind of sucks too and it's uh, by itself if she doesn't even get a chance to do that. Maybe she'd go back to WWE. I think she was in there originally. But uh, anyways, uh, best luck uh, to all the Global Force guys, and we'll have to just wait and find out what happens. All right, guys, um, if you can't tell, Vince McMahon expects a lot of his wrestlers. Even after they retire, uh, he kind of expects them to come back if given the price. Apparently, uh, recently, some evidence shows that Vince is considering, uh, or thinks at least, that he can get Undertaker to come back uh, if he were to, you know, offer it to him, obviously. Uh, That basically the Undertaker didn't leave on a completely retired type of concept, but it's kind of up in the air. Um, Knowing these details, if if everything's pointing true, could you see Undertaker possibly popping up uh, between here and WrestleMania. I would would assume against Roman Reigns, but maybe they put him against Cena at Mania and Cena finally retires him. I have no clue. I kind of want him just to stay retired personally. I think it was nice to see, uh, you know, Taker give the wave to Roman Reigns, and I thought that was a good way to go out. The guy couldn't even, you know, help give – Reigns enough to be able to do, what, a powerbomb or to reverse a uh, tombstone because it was basically the way to put out. Yeah, yep. I, I just feel like, you know, he's he's uh, he's he's done enough. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, me and Chris have talked about with Mick Foley, even just in the sense of uh, being on TV. If he never comes back, I have no problem with that. He's putting his time, his work. You know, I don't have to see him wrestle, or I don't see him on TV. With Undertaker, I don't even have to see him ever wrestle again. I will say, if you were to come back, I hope it's at the as the American Badass, and that the Undertaker, the Dead Man itself, is retired at least. If we're gonna fucking have any type of sense of credibility uh, when it comes to storyline, but um, who knows? He'll probably just come back and be the Undertaker, and he'll work the next three WrestleManias and have like the last one be like a a little mini battle royal, or just, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Anyways, um, Chris, how do you feel about this whole entire concept? I mean, I feel like if the money's there, Undertaker will do another match. Um, but I don't think the illusion of the Undertaker is the same 
now that he's lost to Roman Reigns and he had already lost the streak beforehand. So to me, I don't know what that's going to do for you ratings wise. At some point it's the measure of money versus what it's actually getting you. And you're going to have what two undertaker appearances before mania. And people are just going to be constantly reminded that Roman Reigns beat him through whatever program Roman Reigns is working through. So unless they're bringing him back in some sort of special capacity, uh, where he is a manager, like a general manager's bodyguard or like kind of Triple H's hitman, or if they're going to do something like that, I could see it working. But just like him coming back for a match with the illusion of the street being dead and the fact that Roman is the one that kind of retired him, I, I think a lot of fans, even diehard Undertaker fans, will be kind of soured by the entire thing in general. I would say just let him ride out, and, and that'd be the end of it. And focus your attention on trying to get bigger, as far as star power goes, people like Ronda Rousey and, and those kind of matches uh, where they're going to draw outside audiences. Because I feel like at this point they killed the illusion of the Undertaker's WrestleMania match by making it beatable. But, I mean, I could be wrong, but... But, I mean, that's how I feel about it. Like, I, I could care less to see an Undertaker match, especially knowing that I've already seen the two best Undertaker-WrestleMania matches that they're ever going to be. Um, I, I don't know. It's just a weird scenario, and I feel like Vince is just – he went to the well too many times, and at this point um, the well is kind of dry as far as Undertaker goes. Yeah, you know what? If I were to use, if I were to do some fantasy booking and use Undertaker in some type of capacity, I would not. After this next WrestleMania, so the next season, if you will, of uh, WWE, have Undertaker show up, start messing with Roman Reigns, but actually come to present a person that he thinks is worthy enough to beat Roman Reigns. Then Aleister Black comes out and whoops his ass, and yeah, just a little nod. That's all. I don't really. I, I don't need Undertaker to come back. Is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Thomas, how do you feel? No pun intended, I wish Vince would just let the man rest in peace. He's given us <laughs> everything. Like, he's given us everything. We don't need Taker to come back. There was nothing to gain from Taker coming back, especially after his match with Roman. Like like you said, he couldn't even give Roman enough, like, oomph to help him reverse the tombstone. Like, there was nothing there. That match had zero chemistry, and it wasn't Roman's fault. It's just, Taker can't do it anymore. Taker can't be at the level he used to be. And like you said, the aura and the, the prestige of Taker's WrestleMania match has been killed because now it's not so much that there was one that beat Taker at Mania. Now there are two. What does it matter now if he's just like everybody else? Yeah, he's a legend. Yeah, he's the Undertaker. He'll always be the Undertaker. But there is nothing that anybody can do with the Undertaker now that would be special because of, like I said, a perfect example, his WrestleMania match with Reigns. That was, that was not main event worthy. That was not worthy of it being the last match on the card. I, I feel like anything at this point would just be a disappointment. I feel like one way to go if you're bringing Taker back or even talking about bringing Taker back is if you can convince Shawn Michaels to do one more match and then you basically have Undertaker as a special guest referee 
with Sean versus Triple H, which they won't do, but that's if you're going to do one match and try to get the nostalgia factor, you can play off the fact that they had that similar match. Um, but outside of that, I don't, I mean, like even as him being a special enforcer, by the time you get Aleister Black where he needs to be or any other superstar for that fact to, to the level of where Roman Reigns is at now, I just don't feel like it works. And then, uh, you know, Roman versus uh, Roman can only do so much in the ring in general. Not that he has bad matches, but like if you're going to get a really, really good match out of Taker, you got to put him against someone that can fucking go in the ring. Like, a, like a Sammy or, or I, even more so, I feel like you need someone like a Chris Jericho or a Sammy Zayn or someone that can actually like move and, and sell uh, enough yeah, yeah, yeah. match way more exciting because you still have to play off the illusion that um, Undertaker is a monster. So if you put him against one of these other monster-type characters, at that point, it, it, exposes, it exposes what Undertaker can do in the ring um, at, at this point in his career. But Undertaker, I mean, I love Undertaker. He's one of my all-time favorites. He's definitely in the top ten of my all-time favorites. Absolutely. And I appreciate everything he's done for the business. And by no we, no means am I shitting on Undertaker. I think he could have great matches with people if he came back. I just think the people that they'll put him against aren't the people he would have good matches with. And uh, that's part of the problem. I, I'm wondering if you go halfway. I mean, I, I don't even want to see this, honestly, but I'm just thinking well, from what you were doing, your standards for the concept, how about having him go against the Demon? I mean, if they, unless they keep on fucking doing horrible with that whole entire situation. Um, but we'll get to that. Uh, but anyways, yeah, we'll find out uh, probably really soon if that's going to happen or not. Because if this report is true, I would I would assume that Vince wouldn't re- wait around for The Undertaker to get older to bring him back in, uh, in a wrestling capacity at least. So let's uh, go to the next part. All right, guys, uh, Bobby Roode's been a part of WWE, uh, not WWE, but I should say SmackDown now for a couple weeks. And I've realized a big change in character of his. Uh, you know, while he was in NXT, uh, he was definitely a heel, but he was kind of beloved by the crowd. Mostly, I would, I, I would say I would, a large percentage of that is because of Glorious and the whole entire theme and, and everything. But a lot of it was Bobby Roode's charisma, uh, maybe, maybe uh, to, uh, similar to uh, Ric Flair in concept for that whole entire thing. But now, the way they positioned him, um, and he wasn't even on this last week, uh, it's almost like they're turning him babyface, which I think is a horrible idea. Um, and uh, maybe even pushing, I'm assuming, you know, just because of Dolph Ziggler talking specifically about him uh, and his promos, possibly against a heel Dolph Ziggler, which I don't know if I really want to see this program or especially see him turn uh, babyface. I think that would be a really, really bad decision for Bobby Roode to be uh, a face uh, just because his music's over, and this man looks at stuff like that instead. Uh, how do you feel about that, Thomas? I don't think it'd be a bad program. It, it'll be interesting to see if he can play a face as well as he did in TNA, like transferring that into the WWE and the main roster. Like, I feel like that's... Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a challenge, but if anybody can pull it off, he can. He's multifaceted with the things he can do on the mic, in the ring. And Ziggler just brings it. So it's not going to be a bad program if that's the direction they end up going. 
But if they do it against anybody else, it'll probably flop. Yeah, I'm not so much shopping in the wrestling sense because I think they're both good in-ring workers and I think they'll be fine with that. It just weirds me out that Ziggler's the heel and Bobby Roode's the uh, the baby. But I guess you're right. You know, based on the past, they've they've kind of had reverse roles anyway. So, Chris, how do you feel about all this? Uh, I think the program will be fine. I don't I don't feel like people like you're either a fan of Dolph Ziggler at this point or you're not. I don't really I don't think people see him as like a guy they hate or a guy they love. It's just like hardcore fans just like Dolph Ziggler or don't like Dolph Ziggler. Um, so he's kind of a weird guy you can put against anyone and, and switch the program around. I don't necessarily think that that means that they're going to turn Bobby Roode face. Uh, if they do turn Bobby Roode face, I think the way to go about it is to him talk about how even with all the things that he accomplished – and even being the NXT champion for as long as he was and beating people like Shinsuke Nakamura, um, he was kind of relegated to this position, you know, that he was around in TNA for so long. And they kind of, I, I feel like there's ways that they could make the program where the fans can kind of connect with him being a little bit of the underdog or, or uh, someone that's always been looked over, kind of what they should have done with Sami Zayn, and they didn't. If they go that route, I feel like even if he's doing the glorious gimmick with the robe and everything else, as long as his promos come off as someone that you can relate to, as being someone that's been passed over, um, you can still get him over as a face. I feel like the, the point of, like, Dolph Ziggler is kind of just the gatekeeper for big NXT stars at this point. So in that sense, that's, I mean, it makes sense they're going to put him there. And, and Dolph Ziggler has been kind of established as a heel for a while now on SmackDown. And the problem is, is I mean, outside of, like, Kevin Owens, they don't really have any other heels. Um, Jinder Mahal being at the very top of the card, so they can't immediately put him there because Nakamura is obviously going to be going for the belt. So it's one of those weird things. Unless you were going to put him against Orton right away and kind of give that matchup away, Dolph Ziggler makes the most sense just based on the talent that they have. But I, I don't necessarily know that that means he's going to go face. I mean, he could just beat Dolph Ziggler and just be a complete dick afterwards. I, I think it's one Absolutely. of those things where Vince doesn't really care. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. And, you know, like I said, the two of them will work well in the little ring. It's just I kind of like seeing Bobby Roode the way that they've been treating him, and it's going to be uh, interesting to try to get that to happen. Um, but uh, let's go on to the next issue. All right, Young Bucks, guys. Eventually, you know, after making so much money off of merchandise, which I'm proud of them, obviously, to be able to accomplish that type of stuff and get shit in Hot Topic. Well, uh, WWE wants you to stop using some of their gimmicks that are trademarked. Suck it, uh, you know, uh, doing the whole gesture itself, uh, several other things, including uh, stuff making fun of the revival. Uh, the Yum Bucks are, have been issued a cease and desist letter from the WWE. Chris, do you think that's well-deserved or a little bit over over the top. I, I think if they went without the fuck the revival stuff, I don't feel like it would have been as big of a deal. But as soon as they started getting like fuck the revival hashtags on Twitter and it starts trending, um, basically burying one of WWE's best tag teams in, in a sense. I mean, people still like the revival, but I think that's what brought this on. Um, as far as the suck it goes, like, they can stop them from saying suck it, but people can point at dicks all they want. You can't trademark pointing at your dick. Um, 
So <laughs> we'll see what Young Bucks Young Bucks do. I mean, Italian guys have pointed at their like even just Tony Soprano was pointing at his dick. Like lots of people have pointed at their dicks. It's not it's not unheard of to point at your dick. Um, but maybe like pointing at your dick in an X symbol yeah, or suck suck it, it. maybe. Yeah, like uh, I don't know, but I feel like it was brought on by the Fuck the Revival in their uh, Being Elite video series. Um, especially when you put in that, like, you know, there were people like Stone Cold there, um, that they were talking to him on the phone and people are saying, fuck the revival in the same videos. I could, I could see where WWE is like, well, you know, cause the revival is something that WWE owns, um, as a name, right? So I knew it was eventually coming. They, I mean, they pushed it as far as they could. Well, and the great thing about the young bucks is they don't really need that at this point. They'll just find something new to exploit, even if it's something against, you know, WWE, and they'll just wait for the next letter. Um, they're smart guys, and they have really good matches, and Bullet Club is still blowing the fuck up. So we'll see what happens. But um, I would say that sending them a message and then trying to sweet-talk Kenny Omega when his contract's up is probably not the best thing to do if you're trying to land who will be the hottest free agent once his contract ends, but you know, whatever, I feel like they're a package at this point. If you're going to get the young bucks, you need, you need to be nice to the young bucks and be nice to Kenny Omega. So shit like this is not going to make him sway one way or the other. Probably more back to the new Japan side. All I'm asking now is like Tony Soprano telling the psychiatrist to suck it. Hey, why don't you suck it right here? You're stupid. But, um, no, I, I agree, and actually that's a good uh, thing to sh- send in your direction, uh, Thomas, is not just with Kenny Omega. I mean, AJ Styles has been saying the Bucks need to come over for a long, for since he's been there, so he's been there for a little bit over two years. Um, uh, if you're yeah. trying to court, if you're trying to court eventually the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, even if it's they, they should have known, obviously, what they were getting themselves into, is the smartest idea to be... I guess you could see, or I could see people say this is petty, basically, of WWE. Uh, do you feel that way? I I don't think it's petty as much as the WWE, uh, the WWE protecting their investment. I mean, by all means, if the Bucks want to make money off of doing suck it all the time, why not do it in the biggest company that, you know, trademark that phrase? Because you can have Shawn Michaels, you can have Triple H with a little face-off, and I have a fucking suck it off, uh, suck it off, wow, suck it fast off some kind of situation, and that'd be money and ratings right there. So I, I understand there is- why the WWE did it, but uh, it's one of, those, one of those things where you're going against creative freedom, and that's one of the main things. Like, I'm, I'm getting a little off topic here, but it's one of the main issues on YouTube right now is creative freedom and where the line yes. is drawn. So, you know, it, it kind of infringes upon that, but at the same time, the Bucks are infringing upon them, and it's just a never-ending cycle that will probably never get resolved. So it, as far as petty goes, no, but it's, it's not exactly in the WWE's best interest to upset the Bucks. Just like it's not in the Bucks' best interest to upset the WWE. The Bucks are going to make money regardless wherever they go. Like, they're going to make money anywhere and everywhere because, A, they're good, 
and B, they can sell a shitload of merch wherever they go. The WWE doesn't need them as much as they want them, and they don't need the WWE. Like, they've turned down contracts before because they were making more on the indies. So, eh, it's, it's a give-and-take situation. I, I, Absolutely. I, mean, I, I love how you, I, I love that. I, I love how you try to recover from saying suck it off, uh, the saying suck it off fest. That was a very, very great improvement. It was, just, it was like the sequel to suck it off uh, in the porno store. Um, <laughs> God, that was great. Uh, so what were you going to say, Chris? I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, I, I still feel like this has more to do with them back, like basically shitting on the revival than it has to do with suck it. But, I mean, my main concern yeah. is, at the end of the day, like, Kenny Omega is one of the best wrestlers in the world, and they tried really hard to get him in the WWE last year. So probably not shitting on his best friends with these cease and desist over small shit, like money-wise small shit, um, probably not the best idea in general. Yeah, and I, I see both sides, and I completely agree with you. You guys have brought up uh, points that we've all said, but basically they should they should know not to make a shirt saying fuck the revival, obviously. But at the same time, if if, if WWE has been courting, you know, all three of these guys, it's probably not the smartest step going forward to eventually seeing that, you know, concept happen uh, within WWE. But who knows? I'm sure uh, cooler heads will prevail. Because I mean, look at CM Punk. That always worked out with his whole career. And uh, w- never mind. Anyways, uh, let's go to the next part, guys. <laughs> Guess what? 205's ratings have been at an all-time high. Listening to uh, Metzler and uh, Brian Alvarez, they're discussing this. Apparently, uh, the first day that Enzo uh, appeared, uh, 205's ratings jumped him up to I think nine or ten. And keep in mind, the first four episodes of the May Young tournament were the first four spots. So if they didn't have that tournament going on, it would be even higher as far as viewers and ratings. It didn't drop at all for last week. It seems that Enzo is a good fit um, for 205 Live, at least in the sense of, you know, bringing popular names to actually give some recognition. I kind of want to go into some 205 Rantage first, but uh, I wanted to get your initial reaction on this. Uh, Chris, how do you feel about Enzo Amore bringing a uh, high rating um, – or a rating all-time high for 205 Live? I'm honestly not super surprised because they've given him so much TV time and he's so good on the mic. And, I mean, there's just a lot there that they've donated. Like, they gave him a bunch of time to get himself over, unlike most of the people on 205, with the exception of Neville. Um, you know, he's super over, so fans want to tune in to see what Enzo's going to do. I like where they're taking Enzo's character I, uh, unlike a lot of other people, I don't feel like that they're turning him heel. I feel like they're trying to go for yeah. an Eddie Guerrero, an Eddie Guerrero type, uh, Agreed. type take with him. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out, but he's made it more interesting. And, um, him being in the title picture as someone that was basically a sympathetic baby face getting demolished by Cass over and over and over again. Uh, I, I think made people kind of tune in and, and, uh, you know, he's entertaining to a lot of people, so that, that's good. And he, I think he's going to be able to work a better style against these smaller guys. And I felt like his matches on Raw have been better in the way that they have him kind of cheating and, and just selling the entire match and then getting a win makes a lot of sense for his in-ring style and what he's able to do 
Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And like, like we've been saying for a long time, it should either be a 205 or transitioning to a manager. And I guess they listened. I don't know. Well, obviously, I'm assuming that he's trying to get his in-ring work better because, I mean, he's got a new finisher. I don't really know what I think about it. But uh, I agree with the whole heel concept. A lot of people were saying that, and I, I, I don't think that. I think, like you said, Eddie Guerrero or Yano uh, is a good example of a guy that is huge baby face. It's over. As far as his promos, he is great on the mic. But just like Bray Wyatt to an extent, they need to start fucking looking over their lines and shit or trying to condense it a little bit because it becomes rambling even if you are that good on the mic. Uh, Thomas, how do you feel about Enzo and what basically his influence is doing to 205 Live's ratings? First off, it's on the network. There's no such thing as ratings. <laughs> so, like, that whole, that whole story is a crock of shit. Because let's just be honest. You're on an on-demand network. There's no ratings. Views, absolutely. Ratings, they don't make extra money from it. They make the same $10 a month per person regardless. Well, maybe I should maybe it, I should maybe it is maybe it is views, but I mean, I think the biggest reason is because if 205 Live kept on going astray, within their viewership, maybe maybe it is views and not actual, like, ratings, uh, per se, uh, the show would be done. I mean, they've, they've gotten rid of uh, Talking Smack, for instance, and uh, Edge and Christian Show for the same type of reasons. So maybe I phrased it wrong is what I'm trying to say. Oh, no, it's not on you, because I, I also read the report when they said ratings. But, like, it's just the idea that an on-demand network can have ratings. That's, that's yeah. not how that works, you know? As far as Enzo goes, it was eventual that he was going to move somewhere, whether it had been SmackDown or 205, and I'm glad they didn't put him on SmackDown because there's no place for him there. But it's he's, besides Neville, he is the only quote-unquote name, the only, well, I guess you could say Brian Kendrick too, but they're the only, you know, WWE guys on that brand. So, of course, it's going, to, it's going to give them a little bump, but for how long and if and when, because at this point it's a matter of when, Enzo wins the Cruiserweight title, how long is that going to last before they have to move somebody else over? Like they move a Kalisto over, or I don't know why Sin Cara still isn't on 205 Live because he was on there last year. Like it just – I don't understand – <laughs> I, I don't understand why they are putting so much faith in the somebody that they have no faith in. Like, you didn't think that he'd be able to survive on his own, so you're going to give him uh, on Raw, on Raw. On Raw, he's a nobody, but he's the man on 205. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's inconsistent bookings, and I think that's my problem with it and why I'm, uh, I'm really against Enzo. Like, I've been over him for, like, almost a year, and this doesn't help, like, at all. But that, that's just Thomas, uh, I, will, uh, I will go as far to say we used to have a shit on Enzo segment on the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, also, you might have been a part of it, though, that. man. But um, <laughs> what, I will, what I will say is uh, I, with the views going up, they also see that going up in their live shows, and that does equate to money. And I feel like he's a big but name see, that keeps people stuck around um, but see, before 205 Live. Before people used to leave. Though. 
they're still leaving. People aren't paying to see 205 Live. That's just an added thing. Just like nobody was paying to see Superstars or Main Event before Raw. People bought a ticket for Raw. It just so happened that they got to see matches from Superstars and Main Event before Raw. And it's the same thing with people. They buy tickets for SmackDown, not for 205 Live. Just like, if I'm correct, if I'm correct, they're not even going to be showing 205 Live, or they're going to pre-tape 205 Live next week because they're doing the finals to the Mae Young Classic at 10 in Las Vegas. And where is SmackDown next week? Live in Las Vegas. So, you know, where what does... What does that really do? What does that report really say if the show's not even going to be shown anyway or it's going to be pre-recorded anyway? Well, well week to week, generally, 205 Live goes on after SmackDown, the way they tape it, yeah. So it, because SmackDown's live. Yeah. So you're getting a bigger crowd to stick around. And I think well, that's this, the this biggest is a thing good about concept. here. This is a good concept to go into because what I was going to say, and, you know, uh, take what you will about, uh, you know, the viewership. I think that really has to do with the show progressing forward. Instead of treating 205 Live like the fucking dumping ground that everyone kind of, like, accumulates it to, it's got some good writing on it. Actually, a lot of times, consistently, uh, in the past, NXT and, and 205 Live have been great shows compared to SmackDown and on a lot of the aspects of what they put into their show. So with 205 Live, and we see a lot of stuff happening. Hey, guys, Global Force Wrestling, if that's gone, where the hell is Ray Mysterio going to go? And I'm, I'm saying this in, in respect to him. If they pumped it up and put some name recognition in there and made it worth seeing, maybe you could see it become a show or, or, or a show to maintain by itself, at least live. Um, you know, if, if you were to get the product up instead of it being like, eh, you know, to the side. James Ellsworth, uh, you know, he's actually – from what it looks like, not too bad of a wrestler. He's got a little bit of name recognition. But like uh, Johnny Gargano and, 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 and Ciampa, I would send a 205 Live. People would want to watch a rivalry there. It would be something else besides a title going on. Um, you know, I, not, I, I don't expect anyone to disagree with me because of where 205 is now, but that could be great to see high-flying guys really take on each other. You know, certain NXT talent should be a downgrade to go there. Even fucking Sami Zayn's only five pounds away from 205, their, their requirements. If they wanted to change the name completely, they could put the lightweight title in there, too. If it does well enough, it could have a show that's, like, last an hour and a half, and it could be just, like, high-fly, you know, style concept. I don't think they're going to do that at all. I don't think they're going to spend the money, but it's, like, so instead, let deplete into nothing and then eventually just cancel it and just say, screw it. I, I just don't understand the concept going that way. Chris... Uh, how do you feel about all that? Well, I mean, when we talked about the light heavy, I, I feel like they should have bumped it to 225 and called it the light heavyweight title to begin with. I feel like that gives you more to work with in general, and it, it kind of coincides with what New Japan's doing, and you could do tournaments, and there's a bunch of other cool stuff that you could do um, with people like Pete Dunn and some of the other guys, like uh, Tyler Bates, for instance, I think is like under the 225-pound uh, moniker. I feel like there's other people that you could bring in from the UK division that would make that more interesting. But I mean, the main thing is, unless you're giving these people time on Raw and SmackDown, they're not going to get over, and the people aren't going to care about them. Um, they don't give them the time to work that WCW gave them the time to work. The reason people cared about the Cruiserweight division 
is because the way Eric Bischoff and those guys book the show is they're like, okay, Ray, go out and have a 15-minute match with Hoobintude because we got to set up this NWA story angle or NWO story angle. Um, so, like, the matches were based around the cruiserweights for the most part, almost like the whole first and a half hour. So those guys got themselves over, but if you're giving them two, three minutes on Raw and SmackDown to get all of their shit in and they get no mic time, nothing else outside of that, your casual wrestling, like your casual WWE fan, even if they own the network, probably not going to tune in 205 Live. I think the thing about Enzo is Enzo has been consistently on everyone's TV for a year and a half, almost two years at this point, and that's not even going back to NXT for the people that watch NXT. So the big difference is the reason, like, you're getting a viewership bump, even though, like, Enzo's good on the mic, it has more to do with the fact that people know who he is. Like, I know a lot of these wrestlers, and a lot of them have great, like, they can cut a promo. Like, Neville can cut a promo. Like, uh, Brian Kendrick can cut an awesome promo. Um, it's just a matter of giving them the TV time that they need to get this thing that's only shown on the network over. Uh, so that's always the problem that they're going to have, in my opinion. If you don't give the guys that are on that show over to make people want to tune in, because it's essentially the same thing they do for a pay-per-view. You've got to give them a reason to watch it. Uh, Enzo's kind of a step in the right direction, but it, as Thomas said, that's for how long until people – get tired of it or sour on it. Um, and he, I, I feel like he's 100% right on that. Once he wins the title, like, people will probably fall off. There's ways to make that work a lot better, and they're not doing it on Raw. They're not giving them enough time. you got to give people time to actually establish their characters, establish who they are, and establish whether or not you should actually care about them or not, because otherwise it's just a, a one-off match. So... To me, that's the main problem with 205. I, I like your idea of, like, putting someone like Sami Zayn there and some of, those guys, some of those guys. But, like, if you have Sami Zayn losing to, you know, other wrestlers constantly who are heavyweights, it makes, your, it, it makes that entire thing seem irrelevant. Like, why would you not just watch Raw and SmackDown? So it's one of those things where it's like not only do you have to give them wins, but you have to give them a reason to watch. Um, and I feel like they're trying their best with that, but they're not giving people like Kendrick Lamar or not Kendrick Lamar, the rapper. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Brian, Kendrick, Brian Kendrick. And uh, like, you know, some of these other guys have been around for a while. Um, TJ Perkins, even time to actually establish their character on TV, which makes a huge difference on whether people want to watch or not. Um, so I, I think that's the problem. If they can establish more characters, and establish fun storylines that don't in, in, involve, like, A.J. Fox, then it'll do a lot better in general. It turns out people care about uh, storylines in wrestling as long as they make wrestling sense, like, where I want to beat this guy's ass because he, you know, made me lose the title. Like, that kind of stuff. Not like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bullshit. Thomas, how do you feel? I feel like there are a couple of guys on the NXT brand that would help boost it. Guys like Aleister Black. He's legit 205 oh. at the weight limit. Like, he's legit 205 at the weight limit. You put him on 205 Live, you know, instant bump, because look at what he's done with NXT. You get guys 
you know, like the UK division guys. Or here's an even better idea. Instead of having 205 Live, you know, taped up for SmackDown, change the name of the show. Do it at full sale because there's always a packed crowd there for the NXT shows. And look at how, how lively they were for the Cruiserweight Classic. You give them that audience, that, that diehard indie-style audience, and the show will succeed. That's why the Cruiserweight Classic tournament did so well. It's because they were able to do what they could and not have to worry about the limitations of working the WWE TV style. Like, there's, there's just so many options and so many problems with that brand, and they don't even treat it like it's its own brand because the Cruiserweights are still a part of Raw. It's nothing special. You know, it, it's... I don't know. I'm really, I'm really bitter about it, and I'm trying not to be. I want 205 Live to succeed, but there's no way they can continue with what they're doing. The title is passed around like a hot potato. There's, let's see, we've had T.J. Perkins, we've had Brian Kendrick, uh, we've had Rick Swan, we've had Akira Tozawa, we've had Neville, and Neville's had two reigns, if I'm correct. Uh, Kendrick has had two reigns, if I'm correct. Like it's, it, the belt has only been around since last July. Yeah. Why are this? It's the same thing with the with the Raw Women's Title. Like, why why have both Charlotte and Sasha Banks held that belt four times apiece? With Alexa Bliss holding it two, if I'm correct, Bailey held it once. Like, <laughs> that's like ten champions in two years for a belt that you're you're trying to build prestige for. Why? What does that What does that really do for one your brand and two the belt itself that's supposed to be, you know, the prize on your brand? Why should we care at that point? It, it's it's giving the fans what they want to see, but it's also killing the credibility of the brand, of the title, of the idea of what they're doing. I think that's my biggest problem with it. I agree 100%, and we have yelled about this endlessly on the show as far as how they hot potato t- titles. Um, there is no – like, I have no debate on that. That is 100% accurate and part of the problem, a big part of the problem. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think that if, if they did a combination of what me and you guys are saying, you know, especially like that whole idea about just using the full sale arena, which makes a lot of sense. They have a built-in audience. They're probably the same people that would stick around for 205 Live. The reason why people stick around for 205 Live a lot of times, I stick around for it because I wanted to watch it, but they have a big dark match at the end of it that, you know, involves the two biggest guys usually uh, going. So, I, I completely think that if they were to make money off an audience and they pumped up and put some bigger names in there and really like reach, maybe rename it and, and put the UK title, those, those are two big titles they defend on it or something. I don't know. They could figure out some fucking shit. But something like that. Like, alas, move the Cruiserweight title to NXT. Move the UK title to NXT. You might as well at that point and give, you know. And NXT. Yeah. Give NXT two hours. Put the Cruiserweights on there. Put the UK guys on there rather than just these sporadic times, you know? Like, it's... I mean, we, uh, go on. I, I agree. 
And we we've talked we've well, talked a bunch about it, and that's why we were talking about like having instead of instead of being called the cruiserweight title, calling it the light heavyweight title, and having people like Sami Zayn and bringing in some other guys that are in that moniker moniker yeah. to go after it, even some of your UK guys. And instead of having a separate show, just making that a part of three hour Raw where they don't really have a lot to do anyways, and actually yeah, giving like those give, time give them a, a dedicated hour. Like, Raw exactly. is three hours. You can give the Cruiserweights an hour of that time to fill in all, like, the empty promo space and all the, the other filler that doesn't really matter, like the three-second matches, you know, stuff like that. I'm glad one of those hasn't happened in a long time. <laughs> but, like, you know, something, something has to give, and something has to click within creative, and Vince McMahon has to realize that, you know, something's not working. And once they finally get it to work, they won't regret it. But it's just a matter of getting there. That's the problem. Well, you know what and, I think also, Thomas? And let me ask both of you guys right now. It, it's, like, it's credibility. And it's, that's what I was getting at earlier. It's like 205 seems like a dumping ground. Like if I told you, or if I asked you guys both specifically, if you would rather see, uh, I don't know, Ricochet, Will Osprey, um, Zack Sabre Jr. and Kota Ibushi because they're in the tournament. Uh, in NXT or, or 205 Live, what are you going to say? I'd say 205 Live. Because really? They would build the I, brand. I didn't expect that. Just, just because I mean, it would make sense, but... Be, because it there would you build go. the Pr- brand. Chris. That's why. Chris, what do you think? Oh, I'm on the same page as... Thomas, I feel like because that would make the entire fucking brand. When you start bringing in people like that with that name recognition who can work that style, if you actually give them the time, I feel like the main thing is the time. You gotta give them the fucking time yes. of day to get their stuff over, and you have to give them the fucking match quality they deserve like they did in the Cruiserweight Classic to begin with. If you give Absolutely. Ricochet or Will Ospreay Jr. 15 fucking minutes, 20 minutes, they're gonna give you a good-ass match, and people will pay attention to a good-ass match. If you're giving them five, six minutes filled in with bullshit, it's going to be hard to care about. And the reason it worked on WCW with the Cruiserweights is because, like I said, you would have, like, Rey Mysterio versus Juventus Guerrero for 12 minutes, and they would have a good match. Not, like, a great match, maybe not even a five-star match, but if they're having a better match consistently than most things on the entire fucking card, it makes a big difference on whether people care about them or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I agree. This has been a good conversation. Uh, I hope that 205, you know, ends up I, – I just don't want to see it just dissolve into nothing. I don't want to see the Cruiserweight title just become nothing. Like, there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of guys that we can't see. Because of Vince's vision, you do have your guys like your, your Sami Zayn's and your Finn Balor's, but he wants the big guys. So it's like I love this. I love the – it all goes back to uh, the Cruiserweight Classics, one of the things that drew me back into wrestling. Uh, I watched the, um, what was it, uh, the signing of all the wrestlers that were going to be involved in it, and I watched it, and it was, it was great. It, it's something that got me back into it. So I don't want to see it, and just like I'm sure you guys don't want to see it, just go to nothing. we got one more topic before we try to go on the run SmackDown, which we'll go over all the highlights uh, tonight, guys. Uh, but um, I think this is kind of important, especially, obviously, with you uh, working with us, Thomas. Um, a lot of shit's been in the news, obviously, with Sexy Star. I watched Triple Mania, actually, so I witnessed what she did. Uh, basically, 
uh, she, uh, the term is, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Thomas, she went into business for herself. Uh, yes. Basically, towards the end of the match, she, her and Rosemary weren't even having any type of conflict within the match like she did with the other no. girls. They actually, she got pretty stiff with both of the other ones, and one of them she had a problem with apparently before that, and when she went looking for Sexy Star before Sexy Star ret- or, uh, left the building. Um Upon Vampira, one of the promoters over at AAA, making her apologize to uh, uh, to what you might call it, Rosemary. Well, basically, she got Rosemary in an armbar and just started wrenching it for no apparent reason afterwards. Uh, the early reports were that she dislocated it. Apparently, she didn't mess it up too bad, but she severely sprained it. The thing that pisses me off the most about this is I understand a lot of people came after you immediately, but I mean, when you watch the video, what the fuck do you expect being a wrestling fan? Uh, but a lot of wrestlers have blacklisted her, uh, including Jericho and and and, and Edge and Christian, and a lot of uh, big names don't, you know, basically like fuck her. And even people that she knows, shit, Conan was was speechless, couldn't even like talk for anything. But it's her her fucking answers to this are basically she's trying to p- play the victim, and she's basically saying that, you know, Rosemary wasn't as as injured as 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 she's playing off to be and and stuff, and she's not taking any ownership towards this shit. So it's like she's burying herself. AAA has has stripped the AAA uh, Rina Darina Championship off of her recently, and it uh, doesn't look like her career is going to be doing too well. I mean, I don't expect Lucha Underground to really – I mean, maybe they will continue with her, but uh, I don't know. For someone that I knew of without knowing much of her career within wrestling because she was a female competitor on Lucha Underground competing with the dudes, and that's how I knew her of for most of this year. And watching her wrestling, and, and she's a good Lucha Libre wrestler, but wow, did she fuck up. Uh, I really just want to go straight to you, Thomas. How, how do you feel about this whole entire concept? Well, I myself have also moved forward towards the blacklisting of Sexy Star because there's one thing that we're, we're taught. Well, there's a couple things that we're taught. Now, I'll, I'll even go over them because, you know, this is what this is for. We're taught to learn how to protect ourselves. We are taught to learn how to shoot in case the situation arises but most importantly, we are taught to protect our opponents above all else. And Sexy Star shot on Rosemary. Shooting, for those listening who don't know, shooting is when you, as Dan said, go into business for yourself and you start intentionally trying to injure your opponent. Um, she went into business for herself based on altercations not even involving the girl she injured. That's my biggest problem. Is if you're going to shoot on yeah. somebody, if you're going to shoot on somebody, shoot on the person that's fucking with you. Don't do it on somebody that's innocent and just trying to get through the match. Because at that point, there is nothing that you can say to defend yourself when you're confronted. That just makes you a straight-up dick, and that's why Sexy Star deserves to be blacklisted. There, there are very few times in my wrestling career, in the seven years I've been wrestling, there are very few times where I've found myself in a situation where I've needed to shoot. Two of them have been recently, and even then, it was for a split second. The match went over as planned, and when we got to the back, we handled it like men, asked each other what happened, why did this happen, and that was it. 
We shook hands. We went our separate ways. Was there a little bit of heat left over? Of course, because we're human beings and we hold grudges. But if you're going to go out there with the intent to hurt somebody, knowing full well what a legitimate armbar can do to somebody, Sexy Star is lucky that the injury wasn't as severe as reported because had she dislocated, broken anything like that on Rosemary, she would she would be blacklisted. She wouldn't be talked about. She would be she would be held in the same regards of a Chris Benoit where nobody would want to book her, nobody would want to mention her, she would be erased from people's histories because nobody wants to deal with that. That is a that is one of my biggest hatreds in the wrestling community is toxic people. If you're toxic in the ring, if you're toxic in the back, if you have an ego bigger than God for no reason, you don't deserve to be in the same ring that I bleed, sweat, and cry in, that I sacrifice for. And she's been in this business. She is a legend in her own right, but she tarnished her own legacy by doing something as despicable as she did. And she can try to play the victim all she wants. When you have bigger names in the business, like the Jerichos, like the Edges, like the Christians, you know, people in every single organization throughout, you know, my entire wrestling, my entire life, you know, from childhood, my 20 plus years, if you have guys like this, who are respected in the business saying you don't deserve to be in our ring, that should open your eyes and see that, hey, no matter how much ass kissing I do and no matter how much I try to play the victim, I was wrong. Maybe I should just own up to it. And if she owned up to it, maybe this wouldn't be as big of a problem as it was. But she's not. It's disgusting. And Sexy Star honestly deserves to never set foot in a wrestling ring again for anybody's wrestling promotion. And if you're still booking Sexy Star at this point, shame on you. Absolute shame on you. Because that goes to show that you don't care about your athletes, that you don't care about respect, dignity. You don't care about anything like that. It's disgusting. Oof, I got really heated. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, that, that's great, man. I mean, that's exactly the type of reaction I expect out of you and, you know, this type of situation. I mean, that is that that is your ring. I mean, you guys really expect each other to uh, not hurt each other. So it it just, it's, it's mind-boggling that someone thinks they, they can do this and then try to play the victim afterwards. Like, I've seen her interview, um, and I, 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 I've read both of the things that she said, and I'm just like, are you clueless? Like, are you trying to completely destroy the shitty career that you've now set yourself for? Chris, how do you feel about all this? I mean, I don't honestly know how I can put it better than Thomas has. Um, as someone who has had a minimal amount of wrestling training, I will just back the fact that exactly what he said is 100% right. It's one of the first things you learn. Um, I didn't learn the shoot part because I didn't get that far. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll go on the point. It's yeah, just for people that are not as familiar with wrestling or who might be listening to this as a first-time listener or uh, someone that's just interested. Um, think of it as a giant trust ball, and if you can't trust your opponent and what you're going to do in the ring, it becomes a very, very dangerous situation. And I feel like that she put all of her opponents in danger and herself in danger um, because you don't know what's going to happen to you in the back. 
Uh, I mean, Bruiser Brody was stabbed. So, yeah. <laughs> like, there's there's situations you're putting yourself in. You don't know how someone's going to react to something like that. Um, and just overall, I, I completely agree. If you can't be trusted, then you shouldn't be booked. It's bad for every athlete in that locker room. Uh, if, I, if I was personally booked to wrestle her, even after years and years and years of wrestling training, even if I was like Brock Lesnar, it doesn't take much to get, like, caught by some bullshit, um, get your eye gouged out, or, you know, if you're trusting someone to have a professional fucking match and they're not doing that, then that's a huge problem. So as a promoter, you should never book someone like that in general. Um, I, I think Thomas hit the nail on the head. There's not much more to say about it. Personally, like, I feel like that she should never work for AAA again. I know they stripped her of the title, but AAA is kind of a weird, shady place in a lot of different mm-hmm. um, scenarios within the business. Yep. And hopefully they don't bring her back. Um, and if I was a female in the wrestling business and they told me that I had to work or job for her, I would I would probably tell them to go fuck themselves and just take that L and move on elsewhere. Because if you can't trust someone and you're putting your body and your life in their hands, then, like, you're kind of suicidal in a way. Um so I, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if she works against someone and gets her comeuppance, maybe gets a receipt. Um, but once again, that's not good for the business either because now you're just now it's just a hostile work environment. So the best thing for promotions to do is just not book her. Um, it sucks because I liked Sexy Star up until this point. Like I never really, I mean, she's had some negativity around her for this past year. It kind of seems like which kind of came out of nowhere, honestly, uh, with the positivity coming out of Lucia Underground and some of the other stuff that she's done. But the entire situation is just sad. And I kind of wonder if drugs or alcohol is involved or if, I mean, that's not an excuse, but it kind of seems like something had already built up to this. And uh, I feel bad for Rosemary to be put in that situation. Like, uh, there were some earlier shoots in the match, like Thomas said, that had nothing to do with her at all. Um, and she kind of got the brunt of someone else's anger, which is just kind of a terrible place to be. And um, the whole situation is very unfortunate. And I think it makes, you know, outsiders to wrestling be like, when you see stuff like say it's a shoot and you see it in Twitter, it takes like, it not not only does it break the illusion of wrestling, um, well, it's like, well, that was fake, but that was real. It's kind of a shitty thing in general for the entire business. And, uh, I don't know, man. It's just very disappointing. It's it's disgusting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's not much more I can say about it without just going on a full-on pissed-off well, rant. I will say let me, that, let me uh, ask you guys. You know, Vern, Vern, Vern Gagne did offer, you know, Iron Sheik a lot of money to break fucking Hulk Hogan in half and not drop the title and bring the title back to Vern Gagne's organization, and he didn't do that. And Iron Cheek's fucking crazy. So let's just put it let's put it in those terms. You'll jump on it! <laughs> uh, no, um, but I have to ask you guys one last question before we move on to Ron SmackDown. I think we can all come up with one competitor we'd like to see Sexy Star go against, and that is Zombie Andy Kaufman. Would that be a good idea? All right, anyways. Let's move Absolutely. on to Raw. <laughs> All right, the, uh, we're, we're going to do the uh, bullet point edition of Braun SmackDown. So that, that just means that basically 
you know, we're, we're needing to go through stuff a little bit quicker. So I'm going to go over a couple at a time, and we're going to do the major notes of these matches while we go over the stuff. So, all right, let's go over Raw, guys. Uh, it started off with a match, actually, a uh, match between John Cena and Jason Jordan. Um, I actually thought this was a pretty damn good match. I like that Jason uh, Jordan, you know, got a little more time to show off. He is a damn good in-ring wrestler. Uh, not saying that he wasn't. I mean, I've seen him in the ring for a while as a tag team, but... You know, Cena helped him out, and I like the comparison that they did of a young John Cena first match out of OVW against uh, Kurt Angle. I thought that was really cool how they were doing that. It's a fun match. Um, after it, the match, uh, well, obviously Cena won, just if anyone was wondering. Come on, Cena. Uh, <laughs> after the match, Roman Reigns showed up and exchanged words with Cena about their match at No Mercy, and basically John Cena talked a lot, and Roman Reigns was like, all right, well, you know, go for it. Hit me. Do something. And John Cena kind of backed away. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, next thing that happened, Sheamus and Cesaro defeated Rhino and Heath Slater. Sheamus pinned Rhino after a brogue kick. Uh, and then we had the Intercontinental Championship match. The Miz defeated Jeff Hardy. This is a fun match, too. Miz hits Hardy with the skull-crushing finale to retain the IC Championship. At one point, uh, they, they ejected uh, the Miztourage and Matt Hardy from the ring, but of course, Maurice was still there, which would be the reason why the Miz gets his championship, but we all love the Miz. What the hell do you expect? All right, these first three things that happened on Raw, what did you think about them, Chris? Uh, I will go off the, the the promo section first. I thought it was really weird and also cool that John Cena put over the Miz. Yeah, <laughs> I think the uh, I think the first match was uh, actually pretty good, better than I expected. It started off kind of slow with a bunch of chain wrestling. So if you're watching it after the fact, stick through it because the match actually does pick up. There's a couple of uh, release German suplexes and a near fall that I thought was a really good spot to kind of get the crowd back into it. I, I think Jason Jordan did a good job, and I think this is the best they've done with him as far as proceeding his character forward in a long time, if that makes sense. But um, he needs to get some wins. I mean, he get some wins to get some, uh, some actual decent opponents. Uh, as far as the... The, the Sheamus-Cesaro match is just building towards the title shot, and I think that was fine. I think where it goes later in the night is kind of weird on whether they're going to put uh, the club versus uh, Sheamus-Cesaro and the Hardys in, like, a three-way match and what that actually means for the Hardys. Uh, Jeff Jeff Hardy uh, versus Miz. Or not – no, Jeff – not Jeff Hardy. Not the Hardys, but uh, – God, the club versus the shield versus Sheamus and Cesaro, the bar. That's where I was going with that, if that's going to become a three-way match. Um, and then leads into the, the Jeff Hardy uh, situation. I thought it was a good match. I feel like they're, they may be wasting Jeff Hardy a bit because if you're not going to get the broken freeze, you might as well start. Especially if you're going to start first, you can start building Jeff now. Um, because I feel like Jeff is still a bigger star than most of the people on their roster. Uh, and There's Minnick and Nickman. Overall, I, I, I thought it was a good match, and it made sense with the Miz retaining. Uh, I think they're going to have him uh, beat uh, Honky Tonk Man's combined streak of who's held the Intercontinental title the most, and they'll play that up <laughs> of like, well, we added these title reigns together, and actually the Miz is kind of better than Honky Tonk Man, so... I feel like they might be going that route. So I feel like Miz is going to hold that title for a while. So the Miz is actually the honky-tonk man of this generation. 
Oh, God. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Thomas, how'd you feel about these first three matches? I feel like the tag match was well-placed. It did, it did its job. Um, Cena versus Jordan, honestly, I feel like that was Jason Jordan's, like, coming-out party, if you will. Having a match yeah, against Cena. step up. Yeah, having a match against Cena and doing as well as he did, that kid's going to be a star one day. And if they if they continue on with the storyline they're doing with, you know, Kurt Angle being his dad, then he absolutely is going to be, like, destined for big things. I could see him winning the Intercontinental title, like, relatively soon. Like, with before WrestleMania or at WrestleMania, I can see it happening. But Miz is totally going to beat the Honky Tonk Man streak at this, at this point. Because if I'm correct, he's the sixth longest uh, Intercontinental Champion of all time. So that sounds it, about yeah, right. They went with Don Morocco and a couple other... Oh, I can't think of all of them. They said a million times but, yeah, in the fucking commentary. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like... They were all very well. Jeff versus Miz was honestly, in my opinion, probably match of the night just because of how well-placed everything was and the pacing in general was phenomenal. Miz is the absolute A guy there. Like, Lesnar's not on Raw every week. Yeah, you have Braun Strowman. Yeah, you have your Roman Reigns, your John Cena. But the Miz is consistently the top guy on Raw, no matter where he is on the card, and he's proving it with this last run. It's fantastic. And Jeff Hardy gave him a run for his money. Every everything story wise was fantastic. So yeah, it the first three matches were, were really damn good. Miz is definitely yeah, a maker. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but he's definitely a fucking anchor for all right now. Absolutely. No, I would completely agree with that. Um, anyways, I, I don't think the I don't think it deflated at all, too. I think this is a pretty good night. Uh, next, we had Enzo Moore, Cedric uh, Alexander, and the Grand Metalik, and they defeated Nomandar, Tony Nice, and Drew Gulag. Uh, Moore pinned Gulag after uh, Jadonzo the name for his inverted stump face breaker. I just found this out while I was reading it, if you can't tell. <laughs> okay, so it's the Gizondo, the name of his inverted stump face breaker. That's what you would call it. Did Mauro Ronaldo come up with this? Anyways, later in the show, Neville uh, revealed that Amor, Alexander, and, and Metalik had all qualified for a five-way elimination match on 205 Live, with the winner challenging for the Cruiserweight Championship at No Mercy. After this, Finn Balor cut a promo challenging Bray Wyatt. Wyatt challenged Finn to fight him as himself, not the demon. Basically, they want to continue with this bullshit fucking feud that should have been fucking amazing, and now they just want to, like, all right, there's going to be no makeup, guys. Don't expect it. That's, like, a big, uh, whatever. It's fucking stupid. Anyways, uh, how'd you feel about this shit, Thomas? Uh, I was really, really excited about the Balor-Wyatt feud. Now... Uh, I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken over how lame. Me it too. Is like it's, it's so lame. Like it's been done by Wyatt so many times, and, and I expected something different with you know Balor being involved. But it's it's same shit, different day at this point. Um, 
the cruiserweight match was as expected. It, it was a cruiserweight match on Raw. Nothing special. Uh, if I'm correct, uh, Enzo using the uh, eat defeat is also used by Xavier Woods and like Mia Yim in the Mae Young Classic. So, you know, there's a lot of recycling going on there, but it's whatever. Um, what was the other one? What was the other one you mentioned? Was there another one you mentioned? Uh, Finn Balor cut the promo and no, and the cruiserweight match. That was it. Oh, then yeah, yeah, I'm done. I I hate everything about the Balor Wyatt feud right now. Hate it. Me too, hate man. It. It started to piss me off. What the fuck is going on with that? That should be awesome. And it's just not. And that's because they didn't really build it. They just kind of like sprinkled it in, decided to be pussies and not go for it. And they finally fucking did. And no one cares. Ah, Chris, how'd you feel about these last two things? Cruiserweight match and Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt's rambling. So the move is the Jordanzo because he wears Jordan. You get it? Just hate it even more. Uh, just Dunzo. Uh, just Dunzo. What do we got here? Bad. Just a couple of haters. I thought hate it was. Uh, I thought. I, I thought that match was fine. It wasn't anything special, but it just further, like you know, whatever character they're building towards for Enzo, that was the entire setup of that match, and, and for released. that it was fine. Hopefully, it's released. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. It was an okay match. Um, the Finn Balor thing and the Bray Wyatt, like I've been, I've soured on Bray Wyatt so hard for a really long time. Even before WrestleMania, they, when we were talking about this in concept, I said they would fuck it up. Well, they fucked it up, and it's awful. And <laughs> a great Thanks, Bray Wyatt without the Wyatt family is just like fucking awful. Um, I don't think there's any redeeming him. I think he needs to be off TV for like a good six, seven months and then come back with something really, really good. Like a really good storyline. Years. Six or seven years. years. (laughs) But uh, it's uh, it's not good. And uh, I think Finn should have moved past this feud after getting that win. And I don't know. I think his maybe his next thing was Samoa Joe again, and Samoa Joe's hurt, so they're just going to recycle this, but it's not good. It's not good. Well, you know, they could just give Finn his fucking title shot. God damn it. Uh, you know, since he fucking did. I don't even get me into that whole entire concept, too. Here's the thing, too, about Bray Wyatt. He was great with the Wyatt family. They were a great entity. You're not even doing anything with the other two fucking members. Who cares if Braun Strowman's not in it? Just fucking put the Wyatt family back in together. You were doing absolutely nothing with Luke Harper, and he had more potential than the three of them. God damn it. Ah! And then Finn Balor. Don't even get me started on that shit anymore. So I'm just going to calm down. I sound like you when you're talking about sexy star, Thomas. Um... And we're going to continue. <laughs> All right. So uh, we had Emma and Nia Jax defeating Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss. Basically, this match, um, the stipulations said that if Banks and Bliss won, the Raw Women's Championship match in over, so it would be one-on-one like it normally was. If Emma and Jax won, the match would become a fatal four-way. Well, Jax and Banks, uh, or, yeah, yeah. Jax had Banks defeated with a leg drop. But Emma tagged herself in and stole the pin. It was actually a pretty funny moment uh, because she just she just tagged her in real quick and stole the pin and then got destroyed by 
uh, Nia Jax right afterwards. What were you thinking standing next to her? She's going to be in a four-way with you. Like, come on, Emma. You're, tw- you're, you're on Twitter. You should know this shit. Why the fuck are they doing that angle? <laughs> Anyways, Thomas, how did you feel about this tag match? Women's match on Raw. That's that's all I can say. Typical women's match on Raw. Uh, I wasn't upset at it. It built the story the way it needed to be done. But unless they're actually going to put the belt on Nia Jax, it's just she's just another cog in the machine at this point. And it's really disappointing because I have firmly become behind Nia Jax wording. Whatever, it's fine. <laughs> and uh, I want to see her do things. I don't want to see her be a bodyguard like how Tamina has been billed as. But, you know, she's not going to go anywhere, you know, being the sidekick. So I, I feel like this was really, uh, like I said earlier about Jason Jordan, I feel like this was like a coming out. Like this was a a step forward in the right direction towards her character where she needs to be. I can agree with that. Chris, how do you feel? Man, Thomas is way more positive on this match than I am. I was very surprised. Uh, <laughs> I did not think this was a very good match. I thought it was really weird that the heels got a hot tag and then Nia just stood there for a while. And uh, I also thought it was weird that either of these, like, if the entire storyline is Sasha Banks gets this title shot because she's the most deserving makes Kurt Angle kind of like an asshole being like, well, you guys have to, like, team together to get this fucking title match. <laughs> so unless they're putting the the title on Sasha, the entire storyline to me is like, well, it's just like we're fucking Sasha Banks, am I right? And you have, like, a good guy general manager. So I don't know. The entire thing was stupid to me, and I fucking hated it, and I thought the match was awful. Well, and that's, also, why it was a, well that's why I said it was a, a typical women's match, you know? Like it, it was, it, it was like women's matches back in two thousand or like two thousand five, where it was there, and that's Ugh. yeah. Why, why would yeah. Nia ever get the hot tag? Like, why not just have Sasha get the hot, hot tag and get like cut off? Like, what the fuck were they doing? <laughs> I don't know. The agent must have been a uh, agent must have been really, really, really. Uh, Stoned or something like that. <laughs> it, it was not. You, it was not good. Like match wise, story wise, it it did its job. Story wise, it did its job. I'm still confused oh. on the story because I don't understand how Sasha is even getting a title shot because she's not the number one contender. The number one contender is Bailey, and they basically said that she has it in her contract. She gets a rematch clause which sucks even harder because not only is she getting a rematch clause match, but she's also going against two other people now, which just makes Kurt Angle look like a shitty general manager. So if you pay attention to their story, to me the story fucking sucked, and the match sucked, and all of this sucks, and Raw women's division has sucked since they got, like, moved Charlotte to SmackDown. I agree. Well, there. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, that's how Chris there's, felt about that. My, I agree with them. That's my salt. Uh, that's my salt for the night. Everybody else got theirs out. I had to get mine out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We all we all have to get stuff out. I mean, this is kind of like therapy, right? Watching professional wrestling to an extent is like therapy. So Thomas needs a lot of therapy because he actually does it too. Uh, 
Anyways, oh. um, <laughs> let's go on to the uh, second to last match. Guys, we got a match. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose defeated the club. Sheamus and Zaro tried to interfere, but Rollins was able to win the match for his team with a roll-up. After the match, the club brawled with Sheamus and Cesaro. Is this leading, like we were saying, to the three teams uh, at the pay-per-view? I have no idea. But how did you like this match, Christopher? Uh, I like the match just fine. I do think it's leading to a three-way. I think that it's bad the club lost the match and then also got shit-canned by the bar. But other than that, I thought it was it was trying to tell a story and it made sense. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Sheamus and Cesaro lose because the club gets, like, there's some kind of interference. I feel like this is building up like a pay-per-view down the line where the club gets involved in this match at the next pay-per-view and then you get a three-way match so that you can justify either the Shield breaking back up or them losing the titles to someone else uh, without them actually losing the titles. That's that's my guess of where they're going with this based on previous WWE booking. Yeah, definitely. Thomas, how do you feel? I agree 110% with Chris. Like, it, there was no other purpose besides, you know, building the story, which was done well. And uh, hopefully it does lead to a three-way and the, the club isn't just, you know, left out in the dark. I hope, hope that the mini shield is, uh, is done and over after the tag title run. Because I... I don't see value in them being a team. Seth Rollins deserves to be in the main event scene. Um, yeah, that's that's really my only thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I completely uh, agree with you guys. I mean, I guess they just don't have really anything for him to do right now, and this is something... Um, eh. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, the bar has been a pretty cool, cool tag team, uh, but at one point I think they weren't supposed to be together that long, and they were like, ah, they're working out. Let's let them go. And now Cesaro and the Irishman have been a team for as long as they have. But uh, last match of the night for Monday Night Raw. Pretty awesome match. Uh, we already kind of, like, went into it for the most part, but we can kind of, like, wrap it up. But uh, Braun Strowman defeated the big show. Uh Big Show hit an elbow off the top rope during the match, which was fucking nuts and pretty sure where he hurt his hip. But Strowman was able to win with a superplex to the reinforced ring and a power slam. After the match, uh, Strowman promised to do the same to Brock Lesnar and slam Show through the cage wall. It was pretty fucking awesome. Uh, Thomas, any uh, any more statements about the uh, square down between the two big guys and their trilogy uh, overall? Uh, as a trilogy overall... Strowman has looked fantastic. Big Show did his job of of putting the young guy over fantastically at that point. This cage match was the best match they've had. And, um, yeah, like, they brought it. Like, Show was on his A game for this match. And it was probably because he knew he was going out. But at the end of the day, he, he did what was best for business, went out on his back, and, uh, yeah, Kudos to both men for putting on a fantastic main event for, you know, two large guys that probably shouldn't move as well as they do. Like, just huge kudos to them. Absolutely. Definitely a lot of respect for both those men, especially the big show. 
Chris, any last uh, words about this wonderful Godzilla vs. King Kong match? I mean, anytime you get two giants like this in a, a match, I'm always interested. I will say this was, to me, the weakest of the three matches. Um, really? But I think Big Show did the most. Um, and I have reasons for both. I think the spectacle of the second match with the ring breaking and then just the spectacle of them facing off for the first time made me more excited about it. I'm not necessarily the in-ring work, but... The the fact that Braun went over in both of them to begin with kind of led me to the conclusion of the match, which takes away from the spectacle in general. So it's not necessarily the ring work on any of the matches was better than one another, but just, like, the first two I thought established what I needed to see. It would have been nice to see, like, um, maybe them both saw the cage together and <coughs> Braun hit the win as he fell first, just to make Big Show look good, you know, for once. Because I feel like with Big Show doing the recent stuff with Cass, um, to me, like, Cass would get, like, immediately destroyed by Braun Strowman. So it kind of took away from the value of the match a little bit for me, if if you're looking at it from a continuation of the story. Um, But I thought it was a good match overall, and they both worked their asses off. And and props on Big Show for doing some shit that I haven't seen him do since, like, W. W days, uh, and it was fun. I mean, it was a fun main event, and that's all you can really ask for on a Monday Night Raw show. Because sometimes it's just like there's going to be a DK DQ finish, and let's just wait for that. There it is. There it happened. All right, cool. So here's the 15 minute overrun of Raw where they just dick around for 15. Okay, cool. It's a beat down. There's a beat down right there. So at least it wasn't that, and um, I think it made. Braun looked strong, which was the goal, and uh, the fact that Show is willing to pass the torch is awesome. And also, at the very end, uh, when Show was really injured, Braun lifted up like a 550-pound fucking dude, and you can see <laughs> his face and power slam the show. Like which I also thought now. <laughs> He's just barely under 500. If you watch <laughs> Braun's face when he He's lifts, 700 up, pounds. It's in front of me on Wikipedia. Look, Big Show did not go up easy. And the little bit I know about wrestling (laughs) was at the very end on that power slam. It's not that he wasn't trying, but he did not go up easy, and Braun lifted the most. (laughs) But it's it's at the same point, like, (laughs) like, you know, he, he helped him. Big Show exerted all of his energy helping Braun for the superplex. At that point, it was just, this is you're on your own, kid. You can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> like, go back and watch Braun Strowman's face as he goes for that power slam, and I swear to God, you'd be like, that's a guy that doesn't know if he's going to live from that lift. <laughs> but somehow he took it out. Uh, it was... It's like me lifting God. any couch ever when my friend asked me to help him move. He's like, yo, I really need help moving this couch. That's the same base I'm in. Exactly. So go back and watch. If you, only last the, if you only watch the last, like, ten minutes of Raw, look for that brawn face where he realizes Big Show did not go up easy. It's, it's a oh, try not to shit your pants All face right. at that point. Go back and look for it. You'll see what I'm talking about. He's like, Jesus, Braun's face. He looks like a surprise 12-year-old on Christmas. <laughs> he he kind of just has that factor a little bit. i got to say that both guys definitely uh, had awesome promos leading into it. I, I think that Bron 
even Neville to extent has this had a quality of him that was kind of cartoonish, but I think he's understanding how to give a good promo now a hell of a lot more. Uh, I've always liked his promo, but you know what I'm saying, like cartoonish style. But uh, I don't know. Uh, he, he was he was talking pretty damn confident, kind of like Stone Cold almost in a way or some shit. Like, it's very aggressive and out there. He's going to go out there, kick his ass type of shit. And the Big Show had a really cool promo beforehand too. So I like the whole spectacle. It was a lot of fun. We have SmackDown to go over, and I think that we're going to have a lot of fun doing that in the mountain. Anyways, uh, show opened with Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton. Uh, paying tribute to JBL. Uh, JBL is going to be gone, uh, working on his uh, foundation or whatnot. Um, I like JBL on commentary. Brought a lot of bullshit. Uh, his replacement, Corey Graves, is one of my favorite commentators. So, fuck it. Now, Corey Graves is going to be doing SmackDown and Raw, and uh, they're bringing um, uh, Nigel McGuinness over to 205 Live. Uh, so, that's pretty awesome. Uh Kudos to those type of things happening, so I'm very happy about that. After Ellsworth and Carmella were in the ring for Carmella's match against Natalia, Ellsworth started to introduce Natalia or uh, to Carmella, but was interrupted by Kevin Owens, who said he would be the special guest referee and try to take the existing referee's shirt, which is a pretty funny interaction between the two of them. Uh, that brought out Shane McMahon, who said all of Owens' bad luck was his own fault. Owens insulted the McMahon family, said that the, the that is that his family and, and, and his dad were better off if he died in the helicopter crash. Uh, got pretty heated, actually, really heated. Uh, and McMahon told him not to uh, talk about his family again. The second time, Owens insulted McMahon's children. McMahon snapped and attacked Owens. Uh, he actually got some pretty good shots in uh, for, you know, I mean, it's Shane McMahon. Usually it's like a bunch of just weird punches that are kind of boxing, but whatever, you know. Uh, he does his thing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, backstage, Owens threatens Daniels that he would sue McMahon and the company and uh, then said he was going to press criminal charges and then he looked like he left. All right, so we, how do you feel about the show opener? Uh, the Ellsworth and Carmella uh, getting interrupted, obviously, by KO and then KO's threats against McMahon's company and taking over next week's SmackDown. Uh, Thomas. It was, uh, I'm really torn on this storyline because I feel like it's just a rehashing of what AJ and Shane went through uh, leading up to that WrestleMania. But at that same point in time, Kevin Owens is just such an amazing character. And he and Shane have such good chemistry, but it... It just feels like a segment that was placed there because they needed something else to do. Like it's not that I didn't like it. It's just I, I, I feel like it was just too much right then and there. I, I don't know. That's that's just me. Yeah, uh, Chris, how do you feel? Uh, I mean, I think. Kevin Owens single-handedly proved that he's one of the best heels in the fucking business with his promo against Shane McMahon and the way that he mm-hmm. continuously brought up his kids and he was being a serious dick. But other than that, like, I could care less about the storyline because it's just going to end with a match versus Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon, which I could, I don't care about. I don't want to see at all. Um, that, that's my exact thoughts, man. But the, the promos themselves, I, I thought they were fine on both points. I mean, like, if someone was talking about your kids like that and your family like that, you're going to get a little heated. So, like, the promo made sense. Kevin Owens did his job. 
Like, he got over his complete asshole both on both yeah. accounts. And, uh, I mean, from I mean, Kevin Owens did what Kevin Owens is going to do, which is be fucking awesome. And I just don't care about the match. They could have done the storyline with, uh, like, if Daniel Bryan was cleared to wrestle, if they did the storyline with Daniel Bryan, probably I'd be way more fucking excited about it. But the fact that Shane McMahon, I, I could care less. And um, also, Shane needs to be careful because he, like, tripped himself outside the ring when he attacked uh, Kevin Owens later, which was scary for both people. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you guys. All right, so the first match actually happened. Uh, Natalia defeated Carmella uh, when Carmella got the upper hand in the match. Ellsworth attempted to cash in her Money in the Bank briefcase on her behalf. Uh, when Carmella tossed the briefcase out of the ring and yelled at Ellsworth, Natalia rolled her up for the pin. After the match, Carmella ran down Ellsworth. This, that's, that's saying the least. And then departed ways with him. Uh, what transpired later on completely uh, just, I have no idea what the fuck happened, but we'll get to that. Uh, Dolph Ziggler was supposed to re-debut. Uh, he made his normal entrance and then insulted the crowd. I'm about, I, I wrote something out for this, guys, but I just got to say that I don't like what they're doing with Dolph Ziggler. I don't know what the fuck all this is, but it just makes me have more animosity. Maybe they're trying to do that to build him as a heel, but basically just said last week he was going to do it, and then he said that, this week he was going to do it, and then he just came out as John Cena, then Macho Man Randy Savage, and then Naomi, and then complained a bunch of shit, and then left, and said that the, the arena wasn't worthy enough for his presence or some shit. Fucking ridiculous. And then, top this off, another thing I didn't like about things that grind my gears. Uh, Adrian Eng- or Aiden English defeated Sami Zayn clean. Uh, Sami uh, misses Flash, and English took advantage of it with the roll-up for the pin. So we have our first two official, oh, well, our, our first two matches and also the Dolph Ziggler statement, or you know what I'm saying, basically. Uh, Chris, how did you feel about these? Uh, Naomi's awesome. Uh, Dolph Ziggler doing Naomi's gimmick was, was kind of funny. I get where he's going for, and uh, I think it'll work. I feel like you got to give it a little bit of time for it to get over, but I feel like it could work. I think he needs to work on it a bit more. Um, the match with Natalia and uh, Ellsworth, I feel like eventually is going to lose her the title to set up Charlotte Flair coming back to actually fight in a wrestling match or lose her, lose her the money in the bank. I feel like she's going to lose the money in the bank after a failed cash-in, and then that sets up Charlotte versus Natalia and whatever they want to go from there. Probably Natalia versus Becky would be my guess. Um but I, I, I want to see where the Dolph Ziggler thing goes. Because I'm not completely soured on it yet. I think it might still in be In the garbage. Day. It goes in the <laughs> garbage. Uh, maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I feel like he needs a change, change of scenery. And not necessarily a SmackDown WWE um, change of scenery. Just a change of scenery in general. Like maybe across the... Like, you know, the ocean in Japan would probably be really good for him. All right. So, Everything's um, awful. <laughs> Everything's awful. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's let's just, just go over. Bad. Let's just go over. All right. So basically throughout the whole entire thing. Uh, well, we didn't get to hear, yeah, I want to hear Thomas' used... actual, let's hear Thomas's actual opinion on why it was awful. Cause I want to hear, cause it sounds funny. <laughs> Well, I'm just ah, all right. Because Thomas, let's get it in real Dolph quick. Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler is just 
he's too good for what he's doing, and that's my problem. Um, the SmackDown women's match was fantastic for what it was worth. You know, the aftermath shit between Carmella and Ellsworth, you know, told the story, but she's not going to become women's champion. I, I, I feel it in my heart of hearts she's not. Ziggler is just Ziggler at this point. Yeah. If we had more time, I'd totally get more in depth. Go go on, Dave. <laughs> no, next no, week. no problem. Uh, Ziggler topic. Can we have a whole Ziggler topic next week? We're going to depth. Definitely. We can definitely do that. Um, so uh, backstage, uh, Usos picked a stipulation for their tag title defense against the New Day in Las Vegas. Uh, they opted for a street fight. Uh Dan O'Brien received a phone call, which instructed him to go to the ring and make an announcement. In the ring, he basically said that Shane brought him down to the ring and said that Vince had basically said that he was suspended indefinitely, and Shane left, and everyone was saying, bye, Shane, we love you, all that bullshit. Uh, Baron Corbin defeated Ty Dillinger. AJ sat a commentary for the match. Corbin won via pinfall after the end of days. Backstage after the match, Styles approached Dillinger and said they would give the people what they wanted at Las Vegas. The two shook hands for a United States Championship match. Um, yeah, so uh, how how'd you feel about all that, Thomas? I think both segments were fantastic. I'm super excited for next Tuesday in Vegas. Um, yeah. Yes, that's really all I have to say because I don't really have many thoughts on the other one. I'm really excited for the U.S. title match. It should be a good one. Chris, how did you feel about this? I feel like this is Corbin's, like, real test as someone that should be in the title picture. And if he flops on this one, I feel like they will uh, definitely dial back on him. So hopefully that match goes well. I mean, he's got AJ Styles, so that should be easy mode. Um, (laughs) um, Not necessarily for AJ Styles, but for Baron Corbin. Uh, But... (laughs) I will I will go on a limb and, uh one thing I didn't talk about which I meant to talk about earlier was the uh the the, the Sami Zayn thing that was awful. And if they're trying to build him Oh like, yeah that's fucking awful. So I, I, I missed that earlier, but yeah, that was fucking terrible. Like him losing eight in eight in English and then just face palming afterwards is it's not gonna get him the Daniel Bryan thing that they're looking for. Which no, not at all. They're looking for no. That's not why people love Daniel Bryan. Um, they're fucking his they character up so bad. Yeah, I, I agree with that uh, completely. Um, all right, so we got our last three segments. Let's just talk about this, okay? So the, I, I think the big three was Ellsworth went apologized to Carmella. She kissed him and then smacked him, and basically. You know, Ellsworth just looked as confused as I did. Like, what the fuck did I just watch? Then we had the number one contenders match that I was talking with uh, Chris about. Uh, Shinsuke uh, defeated Randy Orton. Nakamura won with the uh, King Shasha and got the pinfall. Um, I thought it was a great match between these guys. I wish that they were working on a program before instead of the programs that they were in. Um, I think that they worked really well and brought each other in the ring. Um, 
and it was just fun back and forth. Uh, I love the, the setup that Byron Saxon said about them being both 15-year veterans, and they both were the youngest in their separate uh, wrestling organization uh, to win the heavyweight title. That was a really cool thing going into it. So I love the match. And then afterwards, uh, Brian uh, approached Owens and told him Vince McMahon would be at SmackDown next week to address the situation because – Owens was still threatening to screw up the whole entire company and whatnot. So uh, how, how yeah. did you feel about these last three segments, Thomas? I think they were very well put together. They they helped wrap up the, the story of the episode. Orton versus uh, Nakamura was fantastic. It exceeded all expectations because, in all honesty, I thought Orton was going to be outclassed and outshone in that match, and he held his own against Nakamura. Um, yeah. The the Carmella Ellsworth thing is just I'm over it. I'm I'm over it. <laughs> uh, are you excited about Vince McMahon coming and possibly getting a Stone Cold Stunner from Kevin Owens? Only only if Owens knows and remembers the logistics that Austin gave to him on the podcast. That's it. He better. <laughs> you better have studied that shit. I completely agree with you. <laughs> How do you feel about all three of those last things that happened, Chris? I feel like Triple H might show up instead of Vince McMahon for the off for the uh, Owens thing. So it wasn't actually Vince. It was it was Triple H, um, which will lead to some shit. And then I feel like uh, the Carmella thing. I'm kind of with Thomas. I could care less. I get where they're building, which is just her losing the money in the bank, so they can stack it. Uh, more so, it's like, well, people lose the money in the bank thing every once in a while. I feel like that's where they're going to go with that. Um, because I still feel like they're going to go Charlotte and Talia. Uh, and then uh, the Nakamura Ford match, I, I thought was probably the match of the night overall. And uh, I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, just because I haven't been really high on Nakamura's matches since he came to the main roster, and I feel like him and Randy worked really well together. Uh, I feel like Randy Orton would be the guy that he had the most problems with. Turns out I was I was fucking wrong. So apologies to Randy Orton. Um, so that was a good match, and it was a lot of fun to watch. And but Nakamura versus Jinder Mahal, I just uh, I don't I don't know. Nakamura is great. But I don't even know that Okada could pull, like, a really good match out of fucking Jinder Mahal. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, burial. And do you think that uh, that Owens is going to give old Vinny Mac a uh, stunner next week? <laughs> I honestly don't feel like it's going to be Vin. I think it's going to be either Triple H or... Oh, yeah, Vinny that's Man. what you said. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't think that Vince McMahon is going to be the guy that shows up. It'd be crazy if Eric Bischoff showed up. And they started doing a feud or something. Uh, I'm so mad. But I honestly, Vinny, the, the day Vince McMahon shows up on SmackDown again, I'll be super fucking surprised unless it's like via satellite or something. It is in Vegas. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we had... Oh, Floyd Mayweather. Oh, by the way, that was one hell of a match. I watched it with my good friend Christopher over here, and... Uh... We uh we we enjoyed it. De- definitely did not see uh, McGregor having that great of a uh, match, and he did. He surprised me, so I wanted to mention that. Uh, we were going to go over that last week, but we all had shit to do. I I canceled it. I <laughs> Anyways, great show, and I uh, hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, remember, if you guys uh you know 
just want to leave some comments, just leave them on our Facebook page underneath the link and uh, discuss some of this with us. We'd love to get some uh, input and want to thank the two co-hosts that I had tonight and for every night, not every night, uh, first, <laughs> you can find him in the bayous of Duluth, Georgia, Christopher <laughs> the Ray Patton. Hey, guys. How you? Don't get mad because I don't like Enzo as much as you do. Now give it up for the project. <laughs> yeah, I think they'd be more mad about the uh, Tyler Dillinger than uh, Enzo. That's a little more understanding. Um, anyways, and all obviously, the man known as Thomas Brewington. I don't know what you, what they call you and how they do it. I know I just fucked all that up, but thank you so much. <laughs> of course, of course. Like I said. I'm here whenever you guys need me, whenever, you know, my time is available. I, I love doing this with you guys, and I'm glad to be on board. All right. Well, I got a couple seconds, so I'm just going to say that uh, listen to our show. Friday night, we are interviewing Michael Rosenbaum. Then we have our Saturday show. You guys have a great evening.